So good. Well, happy Sunday, snowy Sunday, all those fun things. It is so good to see all you guys, those of you who are joining us online. Sorry, week two of snow, but we live in Michigan. And uh, so the beauty is, is that you can watch online and be a part of that. And just so you guys all know, if you go to BethanyAssembly.tv, uh, you can always catch us on Sunday mornings at any of our gatherings at either 9 or 11. So BethanyAssembly.tv. And uh, some great things happening around us. And it's good to be with family this morning. Uh, I have some good news that I'm excited to be able to share because um, what I see God doing is I see him always kind of lining things up. And uh, we've been in the midst of some change. Uh, there's physical space that's changing for sure down below us. To give you a quick update on that, uh, the new steel beams are in. And uh, they've been used temporary for shoring. They dug out some huge seven by seven foot um, uh, like footings. And uh, then a crew of guys came in and pulled out 15 tons of sand and dirt and concrete. And uh, you, there's only one way to bring it out. It's to shovel it into wheelbarrows and to bring it out. And huge thanks to John Weedmeyer. He has been bringing in his skid. Yeah, you can give him a big hand. You know, John, John isn't, uh, he, he's, not, he's not old, but he's not the young guy he used to be. But man, that guy can work. And uh, I don't know if it's the farmer in him or what, but that man can work. If you see him, man, tell him a huge thanks. He's one of our board members. We have just an incredible board. Yesterday, uh, got to sit downstairs in uh, the leadership room and just talk about what God's doing and review different things that are happening. And I'm just so thankful for our board. Can you just give our board a big hand? I know many of them are here right now. Gary's right down there. Jason is down there. In fact, you guys stand up. I know a lot of times people don't know who you guys are, and they don't like this, but this is Gary right here on the end. This is Jason. You got Joel Bills right over there. Jeremiah's doing security, so he's somewhere around here. Um, we uh, got John Morton. He's not here in this guy. Thank you guys so much. Oh, no, John's back there. John's right back there. John, go ahead and stand up right back there. There's John Morton. Um, man, all these guys just... Incredible, incredible men of God. I'm just so blessed to have them uh, supporting us and, and really uh, coming alongside of Kasha and I and our team here. Uh, and God has been doing some cool things. Uh, a few months back, Pastor Braley, who was our family life pastor, had come and sat down and had a really hard conversation with me and said, you know, Pastor Brian, like, I, uh, I've been feeling like God has been stirring my heart to go back home and to take a position at a church in Oklahoma. And um, it's by family and all those different pieces. And he started crying. And, and uh, that's a good sign for me that he actually loves me. And, and uh, afterwards, uh, we've talked so many times since then. And they're doing great, just to give you an update. They're doing really fantastic. They have their kids all settled in in school. And they're, they're just, man, just, it's just cool to see what God's doing and uh, see the man of God that God's continuing to pour into him. But one of the things when Pastor Bradley first came to me, is I just said, God, I know that if you've been speaking to Pastor Braley like this, I believe that you're speaking to someone else. And uh, in the back of my mind, though, honestly, I was like, please, Lord, don't let it be as long as the transition in our worship. Because, of course, we went probably like nine months and uh, without a worship pastor, and the team did a great job, and Pastor Casey stepped in and did a great job leading. But... Um, 
that was a long period of time. And so I was, I was like, God, please, please, please. Well, I'm excited this morning because I do believe that God has been preparing the heart of someone. In fact, a little over a year ago, God began preparing them. It's kind of interesting because a little over a year ago, this couple began feeling like God was stirring their heart to come to Michigan. Now, if you know when you live in Florida <laughs> and God's stirring your heart to come to Michigan, that has got to be a God thing, right? Because it's like, I mean, they've been living down there. Um, his wife is uh, from this area. And, uh, and so God had just been really stirring her heart for a while. And then uh, her husband, they've just been processing through what does that look like? And uh, they explored a lot of other different options and different things. And then when all this came to pass with Pastor Braley, um, just through a series of events, God put me in touch with them. And we just, the minute we first talked, it was like this instant connection. Kasha and I then met with them over Zoom and I did a video thing with them. And just, it felt like, man, this, this feels like the, the right fit here for our team. And so I am super excited to let you guys know that we have hired a new family life pastor, uh, and him and his wife and their two kids and their dog are going to be moving up here from Florida to all of this craziness right now. And if you guys are watching online, the snow is here, and uh, it's fantastic. But I just wanted them to bring a quick greeting to you, and so go ahead and watch the screens, and uh, you can meet the couple. Hey, what's up, Bethany? My name is Mike Torres, and this is my wife, Everly. I'm really excited to be able to hang out with you guys over video. You know, after talking with Pastor Brian a couple weeks ago, he, he's asked me to send this in, and the reason being is after much prayer and getting with our mentors, uh, we've decided to accept a position there at Bethany as the Executive Family Pastors. Hey, Bethany, I'm just so excited to have the chance to connect with all of you. Um, my heart is to simply see people grow closer with Christ and discover their God-given purpose. We're both incredibly thankful to both Pastor Brian and Kasha for following the call that God's placed on their lives. Um, we're looking forward to being part of the Bethany family, and we can't wait to see what's going to happen in Adrian, Michigan. Yeah, about five years ago, God started doing something pretty cool in our lives, um, just really getting us uh, to get closer to His heart and really to have a heart for people. And uh, what that looked like was connecting people to their next step, not what a ministry model looked like or pushing them into leadership, but really just getting to know them and helping them take their next step just one step closer, right? So we're really excited and honored that God has called us to this house to serve this vision. You know, we'll be packing up the kids in, in a couple days here to, to head up to Adrian, Michigan from Bradenton, Florida. And uh, that, that looks like this, that we have a two-year-old about Cadence. She's, she's wild, she's crazy. We have a four-year-old, Kieran. He's gonna be in the car as well. We have our dog in the back freaking out. And we'll just be traveling up there. So just pray for us as we head up that way. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks, all right? Take care. And uh, you may be uh, wondering why there was like these little high-pitched squeals and stuff coming from this section over here. But... Uh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so there is a family relation there, and uh, so it's just, it's just awesome. It's awesome to see what God's been doing, how he's been putting the pieces together. Uh, when Joel first said, hey, my brother-in-law, um, 
has been feeling a stirring in his heart, and um, they began processing through that. I saw Devin a few days later. She was down, and she was helping. Um, she was cleaning downstairs in the lower level. And I said, Devin, are you excited about the possibility? And she's like, I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm not like, I'm just, I'm not going there, Pastor Brian. So basically kind of like stop. And, uh, but really throughout the process, what the bills have said throughout it is, listen, we believe that God has a calling on their life. And if that calling happens to be here, that would be awesome. But if not, we're okay with that as well. And so uh, we began uh, walking through that process, and man, they're just a phenomenal couple, and so they'll be coming in as a family life pastors. What that means is they'll be overseeing um, birth all the way up to college and career, and so all throughout that whole thing, and Michael uh, is coming very highly spoken of and regarded uh, throughout the field. He uh, was on the executive team at a fairly large church. I mean, it's only like 12,000 people um, down in Florida. Uh, called Bayside, sat underneath Pastor Randy Bazette, and he was the executive uh, youth pastor there. So he oversaw nine youth pastors um, at the different campuses that they have. And so just, I mean, just an incredible uh, young man who loves Jesus like crazy. And then his wife, Eberly, is like, she, she's legit. Like, and he always talks about how she's even like an even stronger leader than she is and everything like that. And so it's just awesome. Um, and so we're super excited to have them be here. Their plan is to be here, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, I believe, is uh, their plan on being here. And um, I'm looking to the, the bills like, you guys know, right? Because I should know, but because uh, I'm making the announcement. But uh, they're, so they're going to be coming up and uh, getting all packed and, and loaded up. And so just exciting, exciting, exciting time for us as a church. And uh, I, I really believe that at the same time as the lower levels getting closer to completion, that God is just showing himself faithful to us and bringing them onto the team. And uh, we are still looking for a kids pastor as well. And uh, so we're going to be bringing in uh, someone else as well into that role. And so just, it's exciting. So you guys should get excited as well. So why don't you give a big clap because it's God who's been doing all the pieces anyways. So this is us. This is us. It's week three of This Is Us. We talked the first week about loving God and really what that looks like in all of our lives. We talked last week about loving people, and this week we're talking about loving life. And can I just encourage you right now, you and I should be the biggest party animals of anyone else around. So look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're ready to party. Because I believe that God has called you and I to actually... Show the world what it means to have joy, to show the world what it means to love, to show the world around us how being uh, found in Christ and being a part of the family of God is the greatest thing that could ever happen. Listen, we are not dictated by our feelings or our circumstances. We should live life according to the fact that we are a part of the family of God. And that as sons and daughters of the king, we have not only access to the resources of the king, but we have the blessings of the king upon our lives. Blessings upon us spiritually, blessings upon us emotionally, blessings upon us physically, that God's people are called to live a blessed life. Amen. And we should love it. 
We should love the life that God has called us to. Now, if you feel like, Pastor Brian, you need to dial it down a few, I can't on a message like this. Because this message is all about loving life. And you and I are called to love life. We're called to be different. We're called to think differently. We're called to, to live differently in our approach to the life that God has blessed each and every one of us. And there's good news. There's good news. We win. We're on the winning team. We're, we are on the winning team. Like, in the end, those who are followers of Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven. The rest of your life. I know it's hard for us to comprehend because so many times we think about, you know, the 80 or 90 years that we have. I mean, we're blessed. We're going to, there's a birthday party that's coming here real soon. Faye, right down here, man, he's going to be turning 90 years old. Now, here's the thing, Faye, I would never have thought that you're 90 years old until you say that. And, and so many times in my life, I'm like, man, when I become 90 years old, if I could have not only that mustache, but if I could have that health, come on. But so many times we, we limit life to the 90 or the 100 years or whatever lifespan that we think. But listen, you and I are a part of the winning team and we spend eternity. That's something beyond our comprehension. We get to spend eternity with the Father. And that's why we should love life. See, we've got enough bad news around us. The world gets bad news every day. Just flip onto Fox News, CNN, anything. Flip on your Facebook. You'll see bad news around you. But what we need to do is we need to be good news deliverers. Not bad news. Good news. We're the ones who are encouraging others when they're discouraged. We're the ones who are bringing peace in the midst of volatile situations. You and I are the ones who lead with our heads up, not our heads down. We are the ones who God is calling to be victorious, not to be the ones who are defeated. You and I are part of the family. This is us. This is Bethany. We have better years that are yet to come. And what God is doing is he's preparing and he's been searching the hearts of others. And he's actually been calling others from around the country. I mean, come on, to move from Florida up to Michigan during the middle of a snowstorm. And I was talking with Michael, and he was said, you know, it's crazy. When I first came down to Florida, he's like, when I first came, um, there was like three hurricanes or something when we first got down there. He was like, it was crazy. And now we're moving to Michigan in the midst of this polar vortex thing, like coldest it's ever going to be. And he's like, and God's moving us up here. And he's like, it's just crazy to think about all of that. And he's like, but man, I am so excited in my spirit at what God is doing. Why? Because God has been stirring his heart for such a time as this. The best days are ahead of us. Can I get an amen to that or something? Like, the, let, let's try that one more time because it's like the best days are ahead of us. Mm. Mm. There we go. Come on. Now, Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, is asked this question. The lawyer stood up, the scriptures tell us, and he put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? See, this lawyer understood at least one thing, he understood that the life he is living is not just a life that's just about here and now. It's what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? 
And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, and with your strength, and with your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. If you'll do this, if you'll love God, and you'll love others, then you can love life. That's what Jesus was saying. If you'll, if you'll love God, if you'll love others, then you can love life. You and I can be the people that God has called us to be, to be those who bear hope to those who are hopeless, those who bring peace to those who are defeated. You and I are called to live a victorious life. You will live. If you'll do this, then you will live. This is us. This is us, the, the children of God. We are called to be men and women who actually believe the words of God. And we then, in turn, live it out. That it's not just something we say with our mouths, but it's something we actually do. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect, but we do live life. Living, by definition, is being alive, not dead. It's active, it's thriving, it's vigorous, it's strong. It's, it's not being uprooted. You and I are not to be uprooted. When bad news is delivered through the news, guess what? We should not be uprooted. We should be people who are firmly planted in Christ. I love how the Urban Dictionary gives this definition of this idea of living. It says to love something full out or wholeheartedly. Listen, you and I are called to love life wholeheartedly, to live it out to the fullness of who God is. Our mission is simple. We're all about bringing people one step closer. The thing I love so much about Michael is it's like the first time Michael and I began sharing, I just shared my heart for what God was doing here at Bethany and this idea of bringing people one step closer. And it was like God had just united and knit us together because he's like, man, that's just how I think. He's like, I'm not interested, and he even mentioned in the video, I'm not interested in just some program. I'm not interested in creating some religious organization or something. He goes, I'm, I'm all about walking with people in their steps. And so his challenge is, is how do we create um, an environment where people are walking alongside of others from the youngest to even those who are exploring what it means to do in that next season of their life, in college. I think of my daughter and how much we want her to be connected in a local church. And we have two amazing colleges here in town where parents are sending their kids and they're there. And guess what? The experience should not be, man, I went to Adrian and I learned how to party through drinking and all the other junk that comes with that. No, no, I came to Adrian and God got a hold of my heart, and there was this church, Bethany Assembly, and I'm telling you, I, my life will never be the same because there are people who love me and walk through a season with me. God is calling us to help bring people one step closer. So how do we do that? By loving God. So we love God, we love people, and we love life. But so many times, growing up in the church, this last idea of loving life is something we've missed out on. Because we look at that passage that we just read and we say, Jesus didn't say to love life, but yet he did. He said to them, if you'll do these things, then you'll live. You'll live the life I've called you to. You'll, you'll live in victory. You'll live in a place of wholeness, not in defeat. You and I are called to love life. We're called to love others and we're called to love God. 
And if we can do that, what will happen is, is Christianity, having a life, a relationship, personal relationship with Christ, will become addictive. People will start going, man, I want what you got. But if you walk around with your head down, and you walk around defeated, and you walk around gossiping, and you walk around with all that junk coming out of you, listen, I'll tell you, people do not want to be like that. And I can't tell you the amount of people I've talked with, and they said, why would I want to be a Christian? I'm like, because we have victory. They're like, I don't see that. I don't see people living life like that. They're living life from a place of defeat, not from victory. And so God just say, come on, church. Let's be the church. Let's love life. This is us. This is us. This is who God's called us to be. Now, there's a guy in the scriptures um, who, who loved life, and, and, and I would say this. He's a guy who I think Jesus shows us his example because in his example, what we see is someone who loved life, but yet also saw moments of defeat, moments of struggle. His name is Peter. Now, Peter is this guy who was always rambunctious to kind of jump onto the scene. In fact, there's a moment where he thinks that he sees Jesus out in the water, and he's like, if it's you, Jesus, then command me to come. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins walking on water. Can I just tell you, that would have been a really cool experience to tell your friends about, to be like, dude, they're like, man, how's life going? You would not believe what happened. The other day I was out in the water and there's a storm and, and, and I saw and I thought it was Jesus and, and, and I, did, I didn't even know at first we thought it was a ghost, it was crazy. And then, then I, I kind of recognized him and said, if that's you, and then Jesus called, and I got out in the water, I began walking. It was crazy. I was walking on water. People are like, dude, what? What was he smoking? <laughs> Were you burning some nets? I mean, what, what's, what's going on here, you know? Like, but yet, Peter loved life. When, when people were saying, you know, everyone else will deny, Peter's the guy who jumps on the sea. He's like, no, 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 no. I won't. I, there's no way. He was experiencing life to the fullness. His life had been changed because he had recognized he had been chosen by Jesus. See, Peter was just a normal, everyday fisherman. But yet, one moment where he realized Jesus had chosen him changed everything. And so in his mind, all he could do is love life. All he could do is love others. All he could do is love God. It was just a part of who he was. So the moment that we read about later where we see Peter actually falling and, and we see him denying Christ, and that's what he's kind of known for. Peter's the one who denied Christ three times. Listen, Peter was someone who was loving life. He was the one that was living this life out. He was the one that I would love to be more like. This is us. If you have your Bibles, I want to open up to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to look at the words of Peter, this guy who's loving life, this guy who, who's living this out, the guy who's walked on water, this guy who's sharing these thoughts with us. And uh, I love the Word of God. I'm telling you, the Word of God is something that is near and dear to my heart. I, I love right now where we're soaping. It is a lot, a lot better than Hosea. And, uh, and, and um, not, not, that, not that we pick and choose God's Word. That's one of the things we, we try to make sure that we don't do that. Um, we walk through all of it. But sometimes, come on, it, Psalms is a little bit easier to palate, isn't it? It's like, man, there's so many things every day that you can soap. 
Sometimes in Hosea, you're like, uh, uh, okay, yeah, let's move on. But uh, the thing I love about God's word is God's word's alive. And uh, even when we're reading parts of God's word that are maybe even a little bit difficult for us to understand, God's word is alive. And it's crazy how many times that you'll read something in God's word and it comes alive. Like even what Wendy was sharing earlier from today, it's just like God illuminates those things because his word is alive. It's still, it's a living, it's active, it's a part. And I know you may go, that doesn't make sense. I know, I know it doesn't. But yet God, the omnipotent, the all-knowing, the all-powerful God actually knows what you and I would be going through and, and the scriptures are written and so many times where he lines things up and people are like, man, I just, I don't understand. It's like that was exactly the word I needed for the day. That's because God's word is truth. I believe it with all my heart. The Bible is God's word. It's, it's God's love story to you and I. It's to all of humanity. He's basically saying, listen, this whole theme that underlines throughout the whole word of God is, this, is, is love. The, the, the underlining theme throughout all the word of God that you see is love. And in here in 1 Peter, what we see is this challenge for you and I to love God, to love people, and to love life. And, and we're actually given some keys inside of this. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it reads this. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind. Now pause here for a minute. All of us, each and every one of us, as the church, as the body of Christ, are being called to have a unity of mind. We're being called to, to be of one mind. How can we have one mind? How can we have unity in mind? When everyone has all these different opinions, different ways they like things. I mean, downstairs, some people love the new colors. The ceilings are like a, a really light color, and they're like, like a whitish gray, but really, really light, very open. And some people are like, man, I wish we'd go black. And it's like, oh my goodness, we cannot win for nothing. It's like when they painted the ceilings black in here, people thought the demons hide up there. There's no demons hiding in the ceiling. Can I just tell you that? And if you think that just painting something black, demons are hiding in the ceiling, we got to look to God's word. It's not in there, okay? It's not in the book. Now, people would say, well, darkness and light, and light invades darkness. Yes, I understand that. That's why we have lights. They're shining right on me. It's very hard sometimes to see you guys because the lights shine on me and you have little halos on your head. And I know those halos aren't real. <laughs> so how do we have unity of mind? Well, the way that we have unity of mind is that we have the mind of Christ that's living and active, a part of us. We have sympathy. It says brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. You know, the one thing that will always take Christians out is pride. And listen, it's not a new attack. The fact that we struggle with pride is something that has been going on for a long time. In fact, a third of heaven dropped out over pride because they weren't humble in mind. Listen, it's not a new attack. It's not a new thing. So when that spirit rises up inside of you and you start going, man, I, I think I'm better than other people. You look at their Facebook posts. You look at the things they're experiencing in life. You're like, you know what? I think I got it all together. Can I just caution you in that moment? To search your heart and to say, God, is that pride that's rising up inside of me? Because if it is, God, please remove that from me. 
because we don't need to be walking around in life, because some of us, we love life, but we walk around with our head held up so high that if it was to rain, you would drown. But God has called us to be what? A humble mind. So then he says this, do not repay evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, bless, bless, bless those who are around you. For, this, for to you this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So when we bless others, we're obtaining a blessing on our lives. It says, for whoever desires to love life, focusing on that, to love life, whoever desires to love life and to see good days, to experience the goodness of who God is, then here's the key. And Peter shares this. He says, let him keep his tongue from evil. I want to focus in on that word keep as one of the words we're going to focus. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And we'll unpack that here in a moment. Then it goes on to say, let him turn away. Focus on the word turn. Let him turn away from evil and do good. You want to love life? Then keep control of your tongue. Turn from evil, and then here's the next one. He says, let him seek peace. Seek it. Pursue it. Go after it. Go after peace with your neighbor. Go after peace with your enemy. Seek it. You want to love life? You want good days? If you desire those things, then you've got to keep, you've got to turn and you got to seek. And then he says this, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So God's watching. The ears are open to their prayers. God hears your prayers. He knows the injustices. He understands the wrongs. He hears the moments. He's not, it's not a deaf ear. He hears. And then it says this, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So those who are doing evil, the Lord's face is against them. That doesn't mean that they they still don't experience sometimes what we would call blessings in their lives. But listen, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And I don't want the face of the Lord to be against me. I want the Lord to look down at my life and say, you know, Brian doesn't have it all together, but he's taking one step closer. Every day Brian's growing, every day Brian's becoming more like me. Because this is us. Come on, guys, this, this, this is us. This is who God's called us to be, the church. Not, not have it all put together, but to be individuals who love life, who love the life that God has called us to. We're to be that. So in order to love life, we, we keep, we turn, and we seek. We keep, we turn, and we seek. That's what we do. Now, I suppose that for each and every one of us, when we were to think about this idea of loving life, we would all have different ideas of what that looks like. But, but ultimately, I think each and every one of us, I mean, this is us. And I would say this, is that as this is us, that you and I were always called to different places where, where literally people will say to you, hey, have a good day. And has anyone said to anyone, even this past week, hey, have a good day? Did anyone say that to someone else this week? What, what were you doing? You, in a way, you were speaking blessings over them. You know, I'm, I'm speaking a blessing, or I want you to have a good day today. 
So many times my kids will go off to school and will say, man, have a great day today. We love you. We love you, Pookie. Love you, Gaby Poo. They love that when you do that as parents. See, our, our society is all about the pursuit of, of loving life. In fact, we would say we're all about pursuing loving the good life. The Italians uh, use a word they call la, la dolce vita. It means the sweet life, the good life. And there's this idea of, of you and I being called to, to live the sweet life, the good life. I remember the boys when they were growing up, and Jordan used to watch this TV show called The, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, and, and it was all about these boys who lived in a hotel and, and uh, had the sweet life, and it was just, it was crazy, and you watched it, and it was fun and everything, but there's this pursuit of living the sweet life, and for many people, what that means is they think that they're to pursue things, chasing things, chasing objects, and, and what happens is, is we use those objects um, for self-gratification. And sometimes those objects are actually people. So why is social media so huge? It's because we love looking at other people's lives. And we go, man, if I could have their life, man, if I could live their life, man, life would be so much better. Man, if my muscles looked like that guy that I saw the picture, man, life would be so much better. But we're not willing to go through what it takes to get that. Have you seen some of those uh, videos out there where they, they show the, the family picture beforehand? And it's like, you look at the family picture and you're like, man, look how well that family has it put together. But then they show like a video of all those moments leading up to it. And you're like, those kids are the biggest brats in the entire world. Like it was horrible up to it, but all of a sudden the kids smiled. The picture was taken and the moment was captured. But that moment was not at all like that. See, we've got to stop living life comparing to everybody else's highlight reels to your normal reel. You keep looking at everyone else's stuff out there. I'm telling you, at the first of the year, I did away with Facebook. I literally deactivated my Facebook. I went through withdrawals for a little bit. And every now and then I sneak on to Kasha's, honestly, and uh, scroll through Facebook every blue moon. But my account is deactivated, and honestly, it has been the greatest thing ever. Because I don't see everyone else's stuff. I don't see all their highlights out there, and I don't sit there and go, oh, my life is so bad. Look at everyone else. Man, look, they go on vacation every single day. <laughs> Do they ever even work? We are called to love life, so stop comparing your life to everyone else's and start loving the life that God has called you to. You and I are called to a good life. And that good life is not going to come through cars and houses and money and vacations and sex and drugs and alcohol and clothes and food and entertainment and sports and body beautification. It's not going to come through any of that stuff. It is going to come through experiencing the richness and wholeness of who God is. But the sad reality is, is our world says that is what the good life is, is all those things I just mentioned. And when we should be speaking up and saying that's not the good life, because how many of you are driving the same car you started driving when you were 16 years old? Anyone? Now, my car, I, I thought my car was nice. Actually, not my first my car. My first car was a Ford Tempo. Uh-uh. But I had, a grand, I had a Grand Am, red Grand Am. Woo, back in the day. Man, that car was awesome. And, man, I, I used to take that car so fast back on, on the back roads. In fact, I remember one time we were going this back row and there was this hill that you could launch off of and everyone knew it. 
And so I was like, man, I'm going to go like 90 miles an hour. I'm going to get some good speed up. Man, I went off that thing. I'm like, woo, Dukes of Hazard. But in Dukes of Hazard, they don't show you when you hit in a car that's not meant to do that. And man, it, man, I hurt myself. I mean, it was, it was crazy. My car, probably not so good. You know why? Because my car, as time goes on, gets beat up, probably in a junkyard somewhere right now. If I put all my happiness in that stuff, I can't love life. But God has called us to live differently. See, we got to understand that there's a need inside of us for community. Community with God, community with others. And when we have that community with God and we have that community with others, when we love God, when we love others, then we get to love life. And life does not feel lonely in the midst of that. Randy Freeze, he wrote a book here, Making Room for Life. I read it, man, years ago, years ago. But in that book, he talks about this idea of crowded loneliness. He, it's a phrase that he uses. It's the thought uh, that we come in contact with people every day but we never connect on a personal basis. So listen, if you're not involved in a group here at Bethany, can I encourage you, get involved in a group. Why? Because this is us. Because it's more than just a Sunday experience where we get together. You, you, gotta, you gotta do life with other people. You gotta love other people. Physicians and sociologists from the American Institute tell us that it's possible to be in the company of others and still feel isolated. That you can literally be around people every day and still feel lonely. Still feel isolated. I mean, the suicide rates across the United States in the past 20 years are up 30%. If we were, if we were to think about that, I mean, you can look, just, just think about just this last year. I mean, Kasha and I were going through, Kasha I used to love Kate Spade purses. And here, here's this icon, this, this woman who had everything. I mean, everything. All the money she could ever want. And what does she do? She takes her life, hangs herself in her Manhattan apartment. Think about Anthony Bourdain. Remember that he's the TV show guy who used to travel around and everything? Had everything. World-renowned chef. Went to all these places showing you like remote places. That was the, the, the last TV show he was doing, remote places. Took you to all these places. I mean, had everything, everything you could think of takes his own life. See, it's not in the stuff. It's not by you getting more stuff that you can somehow love life because what we see from individuals all throughout is we see people who had everything and yet, yet felt like they didn't have everything. Now you may say, well, what about God's word? What does God's word have to say about it? Well, look at Solomon, for instance. Solomon is someone who, if we look in the scriptures, he had incredible wealth. He had houses, chariots, horses. He had I mean, lots of women. <laughs> he had sex. He had the land. He had power. He had fame. He had everything that the world around us would say you need to have to be happy. Even queen, the queen of Sheba, when she came to visit him, literally the scriptures tell us this in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 4. It says that literally the encounter that she had with Solomon left her breathless at the amount of wealth he had. Literally took her breath away at the amount of wealth that he was having in his life. But was, did that help him be content? Did that help him love life? Did he ex really see the good days? Did he experience living life to the fullest? 
Well, actually, listen to his words. This is the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. He says this, So I hated life. The man who had everything didn't love life, hated life. The man who had all the riches, anything his heart could desire, all he had to say was say the word and it happened. Here's that man saying, I hated life. Goes on to say, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and striving after the wind. If we were to really listen to Solomon, the man who had it all. I mean, if he, was, if he was living today, we'd say he's the one who had all the houses, the villas, the ranches, the fleet of BMWs or whatever luxury car you want to say, the huge bank account, all the investments, the money, the women, I mean, everything. Everything you could want, this man had, and yet he said he hated life. So let me say this. Loving life has nothing to do with stuff but everything to do with desire. So what do you desire? See, Peter understood this. That's why Peter, at the first part of that, Peter actually says in that first part of, um, finally all of you, or, or he says this, for whoever desires to love life, for whoever desires to love life. What are the things that you desire? What are the things that you're going after right now in life? If you desire stuff and more stuff, then, then guess what? You will be left empty. Solomon shows that to us. Others throughout history have shown us that. You and I are called to live life and to love the life that God has called us to. For whoever desires to love life and to see the good days, you and I are called to love life. So how do we do that? Well, we keep. The first is this, is we keep. It says, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. See, many of us, Use our tongues for speaking evil. And I'm not talking about just evil like in the words like you, you say bad words and you cuss and you, and you, no, I'm talking about gossip. Right inside of the church, man, boom, full-blown gossip. You may say, well, Pastor Brian, how do I know if I'm gossiping? If you're talking to somebody who cannot do anything about what you're talking to them about. Well, I'm asking them to pray. No, you're not. You're gossiping. I can't tell you the amount of times when I'll be, throughout the years, I've been in, in leadership meetings among people, and all of a sudden, the things get out, and I go, man, how did that ever get out? Gossip. People running their mouths. People talking about things. Listen, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Stop giving half-truths. Well, I didn't know it was a half-truth. Then you shouldn't have said anything to begin with. Sometimes silence is better. Don't let anger come out. Don't let bitterness come out. Don't let negative people. We should be people who love life. So if we're going to love life, then we got to keep our tongues from speaking evil. we got to keep. It is a responsibility for you and I. Well, I, just, I, just, I, I have freedom in Christ. Yes, you have freedom in Christ. You have freedom in Christ to keep your mouth shut. Keep. And you know what? In order to live that way, what will happen is, is if we do live that way, it will please God which in turn results in more joy in our lives, which in turn gives us help when those moments when we need to refrain from temptation to speak evil. You and I need to speak 
words of a life. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God, the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless, the loveless in their plight. Guard against corruption from the godless world. See, you and I are called to be people who live out the life God's called us to. And the tongue is a big part of it. A few verses later in James chapter 3, it says this. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship ship in the hands of the skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Not only can it accomplish good, but it can destroy. It says this, it only takes a spark, remember, to set a forest fire. A careless word or a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Your words matter. Keep control of your mouth. What you speak matters. Come on, this is us. You want to love life? Then this is us. You got to keep control of your life. Here's the next thing. You want to love life? Then you got to turn. See, there's not only this need to keep, but we got to turn. What do we turn from? The scriptures tell us we turn away from evil and then do, do good. So we say no to the flesh. God is calling us as men and women to be people who turn from the things of this world. And then in turning, we do good. In keeping control of our tongues and turning, then we do the good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, that we are to abstain from every form of evil. Well, Pastor Brian, I have freedom in Christ. Yeah, you have freedom in Christ to abstain from every form of evil, from everything that you're facing, to abstain from it, to allow God to do something inside of your life. This is us. This is us. So we keep and we turn. And the last one is real simple. We seek. You want to love life? Then seek God. Go after him with all your heart. Seek the peace that's found in him. Pursue the peace. See, the peace is not going to be found in the things of this world. It's not going to be found through legislation, though that can be good. It's, it's not going to be found through, through other things. It can only be found in Christ. He is the prince of peace. He's the one who brings peace to the storms and lives. And as believers, we must desire peace. We must pursue peace. We must seek peace with others. We must learn from others. We must, we must remain teachable in our lives to constantly be learning from others who are around us. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 that the plans fail without good advice. You and I should be looking to others around us. And, and I look across this room and, and I see incredible men and women of God. And can I just tell you, develop a relationship with them. I've had people say this to me, Pastor Martin, I, I would love to be mentored by somebody, but I just, I don't know, I, I don't even know who that person could be. Can I just tell you, watch the people who are worshiping. Watch how they worship God. 
Watch the people and how they, how they interact with other people around you. And if you see things in those people, you're like, man, I would love to become more like that. I'd love to grow in that. Then go and introduce yourself to them. Develop a relationship with them. Say, hey, I'd love to take you out for coffee. Is that okay? Hey, could, could, we, get, could we get some coffee? I know a place where we got good coffee and it's free. In fact, right after the gathering, we'll just go right over there into the event center. It's on me. <laughs> Seek. So many of us let our ego get in the way. Instead of seeking peace, we seek self-righteousness. We, we seek us coming up. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. So many times we're trying to edge God out. We let our ego get in the way. Ah, God, I don't need that. I got this. We even cover it up with Christian terms. I'm just being who God called me and created me to be. And yet that's not God speaking there. That's your pride. See, pride will always lead to just destruction. That's what the scriptures tell us. And when we think we have it all together, we're quickly reminded that we don't. I close with this passage. In Romans chapter 13, Paul writes this, the night is about over and the dawn is about to break. He says, be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation work. He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, but not, must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity or in indulgence and in sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. He says, get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter, linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. Be up and about. God has so many good things for us, and yet we go through life thinking what we are doing now is as good as it gets. Can I challenge you to love life? Listen, some days you don't want to get out of bed. Get out of bed. Some days you don't want to smile. Smile. Some days you don't want to be nice to people. Be nice to people. Love life. Love life. You have Christ living inside of you. This is us. This is us. You want to love life? Then keep control of your mouth. You want to love life? Then turn to the Lord. Turn from evil. Say, no more is that going to control me. Do good. You want to love life? Then seek peace. Peace with your neighbors. Peace with your spouse. Peace with your kids. Peace with God. Seek peace. And then you can love life. We're all about bringing people one step closer. And we're going to do it by loving God, loving people, and loving life. Come on, this is us. This is who we are. And I think about this room, and, I, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, there's so many people that I know aren't here. And I'm like, man, they need to hear it. So here's what I'm going to challenge you with today is this. Is you go and love life. And you go and you know other people who would normally be here. And you say, listen, we're going to love life together. Have you watched the message? No. Hey, let's watch the message together. Hey, let's get together. It's always online. You can check it out online. Maybe this week you got to go back and remember. And you're like, man, what was that thing Pastor Brian was saying? Go back and watch that thing and watch through that again. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time soaping in God's Word. Spend time loving life.
Because listen, everything may be permissible, but it's definitely not beneficial. You and I are called to love life. And Proverbs says that a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But he who confesses and forsakes them actually gets another chance. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet across this room. Father, across this room are people who are standing on their feet. And here's what I know all of us need. Is we all need a second chance at loving life better. So, Father, I speak a blessing over each and every person. I pray that today, God, they will leave this place so encouraged and so fired up and so ready to go love others and to love you and to love the life that you've given them. God, you're giving us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance to love life. And, God, there is no person here within the sound of my voice in this room or watching online who is not being brought to a place where they are being called to love life. So God, I pray that you will instill in us a passion to keep our tongues under control, to turn from evil and to do good. God, to, to, to look to you, to seek you and to find peace, to pursue it with all our hearts, to be people of God who would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and that we would love others as you have loved us. And then in turn, we could love the life that you've called us to. It is a privilege to be called sons and daughters of the King. And so today, this day, this snowy day, this crazy day, we love life and we pursue it. God, may you cause us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. To be people who would show the world around them. Not that we're perfect. Not that we have it all together. But that we love life. That we love life. That it would literally come out of us. And the way that we would speak, the way that we would act, God, that people would be drawn to you living inside of us. And God, in days where we don't feel like loving life, in days where we don't feel like loving others, in days where we maybe don't even feel like loving you, I would pray that it would be in those days, God, where you, Holy Spirit, would speak to our hearts and that you would instill in us something greater and deeper. Because, God, we recognize that, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness around us. But in the midst of that brokenness, you are there. And God, may we never forget that. May you be our firm foundation. God, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the challenge to love life. And I pray that this week, we would go out of this place, loving life to the fullness. In Jesus' name. All those who would agree would say,